0: Hey everybody, welcome to episode three of season two of the Putting Words to It podcast. I'm so excited that you've joined me today. Um, So far this season, I've been doing interviews, but for today, I felt like this episode was a conversation that I needed to have with you by myself. Today, we are tackling the idea that love does not envy. What I'm coming to realize through doing this podcast is this is as much for you as it is for me. In the prepping of each episode, God is having a conversation with me about the topic at hand. And boy, has he been talking to me about envy. This has been a real struggle of mine for as long as I can remember. You know, on this podcast, I feel like every time I talk, I'm saying this is how I did it wrong. And this is how it hurt me and everyone that I love in my life. But really, what I'm trying to communicate is I understand how we get it wrong. I've experienced firsthand the results of doing it my way. And I hope that if you don't get anything else from my conversations with you, that you get this. I have come to realize that God's way is so much better. I have come to realize that he is worth the hard work. He is worth the sacrifice. He's worth it, y'all. He is that good. His love for us is that good. Yes, he calls us to do hard things and to walk through hard things, but... He doesn't ask us to do it alone. And sometimes the hard things we're walking through are not because of his great plan for us. No, sometimes, at least for me, most times, it's because we've been self-seeking or we've made poor choices and there are consequences for our poor choices. The idea that you reap what you sow is both a natural law and a spiritual law. Whatever you are planting in the garden of your heart is what you're going to grow. But the great part of the whole thing is that we still are not alone. Even though we may make poor choices, he doesn't leave us to walk out those consequences on our own. He is a gentle and loving father who walks with us through everything. And it's only because of that gentleness of spirit that I'm able to talk about envy today. This was a very deep-rooted sin for me. I mean deep. When I think of envy, I think of Paul, who wrote in Romans 7.15, I don't really understand myself. For what I want is right, but what I do is wrong. Instead, I do what I hate. This is what Paul wrote. I feel the same way. This is me. I hate experiencing envy, but I do. I hate giving into envy, but I do. I hate this about myself. I really, really do. I hate all that comes with it because envy isn't just envy. He has friends. And, they, and neither he nor any of his friends is for me. They don't come around to make me feel better. They aren't looking out for my best interest. No, not at all. Who are his friends? Well, Galatians five nineteen through 20 says, Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath... Selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresy, envy, murder, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Those are his friends. And while we may not experience all of them when we allow envy, we do experience some of them. Because envy doesn't travel alone. Remember, he has friends. And as my pastor would say, it might be tight, but it's right. What Paul, the author of Galatians, was saying was they are all the same. We can't say one is lesser than or greater than the other. I know. I try to convince myself of that. But the truth is, I can tell when I'm walking according to what I want versus what I know the Lord wants for me. I see the results of it in my life, my relationships. And let me tell you, it's never good. Sin is never good. It's never okay. We don't have the luxury of allowing any sin to rule in our lives, even if we think it's not that big of a deal, because eventually it will turn into a big deal. Eventually, it will lead us to places we never intended on going, places that we never thought we'd find ourselves. Remember, I speak from experience here. I allowed envy to play a part in my life for way too long. I allowed it to prevent good relationships and negatively affect my family. I allowed it to prevent me from walking in my destiny. And I allowed it to take root in my heart. All the while, I hated that I was doing it. I hated the sin of envy, even though I danced with it often. I hated the person that it turned me into, but I didn't understand how to break away from it. So let's turn to the Bible, because that's what I know sets us free. Let's turn to the Bible and look at someone who understood how to break away from the sin of envy. Let's talk about James, the brother of Jesus. I can really relate to James. James wrote in chapter 3, verse 16 of his epistle, For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. Every evil thing, James? Really? Yep. Every evil thing. James is saying there is nothing good for us there. And I believe that he's speaking from experience when he's saying this. James was the oldest of Jesus's brothers. According to Mark 6, 3, Jesus was the first born to Mary, then James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon, along with his sisters that were not listed. In the very next verse, Mark 6, 4, we're told that Jesus' own family did not believe him to be the Messiah. It's also noted in John 7, 5. I always struggled with this idea. Always questioning, why did they not believe that he was the Messiah? I mean, surely Mary and Joseph told their children who Jesus was, right? Surely they all grew up with the knowledge that he was the Messiah. I mean, Jesus told Mary and Joseph when he was left at the temple and they came back to get him, he told them, like, I was in my father's house. So as a child, Jesus knew and understood that he was the Messiah. Surely the other children in the home did too, right? I mean, these are questions that I have. Maybe it wasn't a matter of knowing that he was the Messiah. Maybe it was that he didn't, that they didn't want to believe it. I'm sure there were a lot of family dynamics that played out there. We're not going to get into all of that here. But let's just say that maybe James didn't want Jesus to be the Messiah because Jesus, being the firstborn, had the responsibility to the family first. It's evident in Scripture that by the time Jesus was 30 and moving into public ministry, that Mary was a widow. So that meant, according to Jewish custom, that Jesus, the firstborn, was now responsible for his mother. He was also responsible for the family, being a provider for the family. But if he's out doing public ministry, then that left the next in line to take care of Mary and the family and to be the provider, which meant James. Maybe James didn't want that responsibility. I don't know. I'm clearly speculating here. We're not told that plainly in the scripture at all, but it would explain to me why they didn't believe Jesus or maybe why they didn't want to believe that Jesus was the Messiah. And then how James later could be so bold as to say that there were, that where there was envy, there was every evil thing. He knew where envy could lead a person because he'd been envious. He'd experienced it. Envy is when you want what another person has. Maybe James wanted the freedom to travel and not be weighted down by the burden of caring for his mother and the responsibility of the family. I mean, after all, he was the second son and that wasn't how it was supposed to be. He didn't sign up for that in any way. But here Jesus was shirking his responsibility as firstborn child and dumping it all on James when he was out gallivanting the countryside. I mean, maybe that's how James felt. I'm really, again, I am speculating. This is not what scripture says. Here's another thought. What if James did believe that Jesus was the Messiah, but he was envious of the idea that Jesus was going to be king? That's pretty big a carpenter turned king, one brother being honored over the other. That's something to be envious of for sure. We don't know. But what we do know is that James believed that envy and self-seeking brought on every evil thing. That's my point. What we also know, according to Scripture, is that after the resurrection of Jesus... James chose to believe that Jesus was truly the Messiah. I love this account in 1 Corinthians 15, 5-7. It's after Jesus has resurrected and it says, He was seen by Peter and then by the twelve. After that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time. Then he was seen by James and later by the apostles. Okay, Jesus had just raised from the dead. He sees Peter, and then the twelve, and then shows himself to a group of five hundred. Then he has a one-on-one conversation with James. The brother who had denied him to the point of the cross Oh, what I would give to know what was said amongst those brothers. I know that their reunion had to be both difficult and sweet at the same time. I can just envision them embracing one another and love being poured out on James like he'd never experienced before. Being held by the brother that he'd denied all those years. The brother that he envied for whatever reason. The brother that experienced the most excruciating execution that could be administered to a person. A brother who was completely innocent of the charges waged against him. The brother that only showed him love, even though. I wonder if James could stand under the weight of the love of Jesus. I wonder if there were any words spoken. Or just tears of joy and regret shed. What I do know for sure, James was changed by the love of Jesus poured on him in that moment. And from there, we see throughout the book of Acts that James became a believer and a follower. He surrendered his life and gave it for the cause of the gospel. The good news of Jesus Christ as the Messiah His Savior and the Savior of the world. James would acknowledge his wicked ways and turn from them to instead choose to live the way that Jesus had demonstrated for him. He would no longer allow envy or self seeking promotion to drive him. It was the love of Jesus that would lead him from that point on. It would be the love that he personally felt from the Messiah his Savior, that would determine his days. He would become a prominent leader in the early church, and he was considered one of the brethren. Even Paul, who wrote a majority of the New Testament, sought out James's counsel and guidance in the ministry of Jesus Christ. You can find that in Galatians 1, 18 and 19. As we can see, James played a very important part in church history. But he did it not based on the fact that he was the brother of Jesus, but that his life had been changed by the love of the Messiah. In his epistle, James opens with calling himself a servant of God and the and of the Lord Jesus Christ, not Jesus' brother. He did not want to be known for his kinship to Jesus. He wanted Jesus to be glorified in his life. And he finally understood that the only way to do that is to allow Jesus first place. James was no longer ruled by envy. He willingly laid down his life to follow Jesus, and the reward was eternity with him, with the one who loved him in spite of all the times that James looked at him through envious eyes and with hate in his heart. All of that was washed away. And the burden of the heavy sin was lifted. Because the sin of envy is heavy. It's very heavy. James found that allowing Jesus first place is everything. It was the only way to break free from that heavy sin. James got it. He understood what it took to be set free from envy and every evil thing. Jesus. When James came into contact with the risen Lord, he could no longer hold to his selfish ways. And that's why Jesus came. When James gave Jesus first place in his life, that's when freedom came. That's when he moved from envious to joyous. Like James I've been changed by letting Jesus have first place in all of the areas of my life. First place is something that I have to surrender every day, sometimes every hour. For me, envy took root very early on, but as an adult, it had full reign. And it all boiled down to the fact that I did not trust that the Lord would take care of me. I did not believe that he loved me enough to provide all my needs, including my emotional needs. Because I had felt overlooked my whole life, I just thought that he had overlooked me too. That he too had decided that someone else deserved more than I did. It felt like verification that I was worthless and unloved. It hurt so deeply and just made me mad and bitter. I had hate in my heart and it spewed out on the ones that I loved the most. And truthfully, it affected all of my relationships. I longed for relationships and to be known and seen by others, but I couldn't because there was so much hurt in my heart. I could not admit that I was envious to anyone. I was so ashamed. I felt so petty. I knew as a Christian that I wasn't supposed to envy, but I didn't know how to break free. It was not until I received the revelation of Jesus' love that I was set free. It wasn't until then. A revelation is when you get an understanding of a thing, and I finally understood that I was loved. And that I didn't have to hold on to envy anymore. I could trust that if someone else was benefiting, growing, or gaining, and that I wasn't, it was okay. I was going to be okay. It wasn't because God was overlooking me. No, it was because God had something else for me. He still has plans for me. He is such a great and big God. He can shower one of us with certain gifts and blessings and shower another one of us with something totally different. But it doesn't mean that he's showing favoritism. It means he's loving us uniquely. He knows us better than we know ourselves. I believe this so much now. I believe that he knows what is truly going to make me happy. And I can honestly say that if I don't gain another thing, not another thing, I trust that he knows what is best for me. I trust that his plans for me are good and he is not overlooking me. He sees me and he knows me. So let's not discount this idea that love does not envy. Let's not discount envy. Let's not play around with it. Envy is a sin. And just like all sin, it comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Proverbs 14:30 says, "A sound heart is life to the body, but envy is rottenness to the bones." Envy will kill your relationships. It will steal your joy and it will destroy your destiny. But what God has for you is so much better. He came to bring life. He came to give hope. He came to establish your identity. Not in what anyone else is doing or what anyone else has. But he came to establish your identity as a child of God. His child who is dearly loved. Don't let envy steal from you. Don't let it take your destiny. Don't let it rob you any more. Allow the love of Jesus to uproot that thing in your heart and life to begin anew today. I promise you what he has for you is better than anything you can imagine thank you for listening today. I'm so glad that out of all of the podcasts out there, you chose to listen to Putting Words to It. I hope that you were encouraged by what you heard today. And for more, go to my website, amandaparker.net, and subscribe to my emails. I'd love to have the opportunity to connect with you more.